Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, welcome along to a brand new episode of Writer's Routine. This week we're chatting to Diana Janney. Her novel, A Man of Understanding, was named runner-up for the People's Book Prize. We talk about how her love of poetry seeps into her novels, also why she is influenced by the old philosophers, and what she likes to know before she starts every day. I don't plan which part of the story I want to get to, um... For the reason that sometimes and quite often I don't I don't know where that story is leading uh, because I don't like the idea of a skeleton. For me, I mean, I'm, I know it works for other people, but for me, it, I find that it it has an adverse Im- impact on my flow and creativity and originality. So what's important to me, first and foremost, is is the main characters. It's all coming up with Diana Janney in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes, welcome along. This is Writer's Routine, where we take a look inside an author's working day to see where they write, how they write, when they write, what they do to give them the best chance of getting words down on the page, how they organise their life around that. Uh, now, my name is Dan Simpson. Thank you so much for listening. This week, we're chatting to Diana Janney, who is busy, who is a doer. Uh, this chap twists and turns through poetry, philosophy, but trauma, sports, and how all of them influence her writing. She's worked as a barrister, as a model, has published a book called The Choice, also The Infinite Wisdom of Harriet Rose that was very successful a few years ago. And her third novel is out right now. It's called A Man of Understanding. As I say, it was runner-up for the People's Book Prize not too long ago. It's all about Horatio Hennessy and his orphaned grandson Blue and their journey together. We try and piece together where it came from, although Diana isn't really too sure about that exactly. Also how she can write anywhere, starting in longhand, and why she's perfectly happy to give herself time, to be casual, to take moments away if she needs to. Also, we discuss how she has explored traumatic events in her own life uh, to unpack them with philosophy and with poetry in the stories that she tells. Uh, and we get into it, as we always do with Diana Janney this week, and what she sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. 
Well, where I sit down to write varies a lot. I don't have one particular uh, place. I can I can actually write anywhere. Um, I can write uh, in our in London, our London flat. There was a boiler broke, water everywhere, uh, workmen trying to fix it, and I just sat there carrying on with my writing. Um, or people are talking in the background, or there's a television on it. Just I've got a very strong focus, so um, I can literally write anywhere. I think it's partly because um, I'm interested in sport. As I, I'm, I'm as I was a, a table tennis uh, uh, champion a, a number of times um, I still uh, you know I play a, a lot of table tennis and you learn to sort of cut out what your opponents might be doing to put you off cut out the audience of supporters either way and you've got to just totally focus on that ball and what you're doing um, and I think it was similar as well when I, w- I was a barrister uh, if you're in court you really have to listen to every word that's being said by the, the by the witness, by by uh, counsel on the other side, by by the judge, um, and you can't take your eye off the ball in that respect either. So my, my focus is extremely strong. Um, I, I would say that uh, I do write a lot at a, at a, at a knee-hole desk that I've got. Um, it's a beautiful desk, as a sort of 18th-century desk, and I've got just one framed photograph on it. Uh, on it, and that is um, of our uh, my husband and mine's little uh, Yorkshire Terrier dog. Um, he actually died at the end of last year, but he was a rescue dog, and he'd been twice uh, uh, a rescue dog, and so he'd had a pretty tough start to life. But um, he he was really sort of, his face is, is so determined, so confident. He overcame everything that life threw at him. He loving and really sensitive to mood. So, for example, I was talking about table tennis. If I won a table tennis match, he seemed to know. I don't know if he just picked up my mood, but he would run as if he was congratulating me. Or if I was uh, playing my violin, he seemed to know when I played my best, and he'd wait until the end of the piece and then run over and, and you know jump up at me. And uh, he was just an incre- incredibly sensitive guy as as well. And so he's he's a real inspiration just to see his his little face uh, on my desk. As 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 I say, I, I do write there um, a fair bit now. I've done. I don't know, almost 300 episodes and interviews with different authors. And you are the first to have compared the writing process to table tennis. And that helps you out. So there you go. All right. (laughs) Um, Let me ask you this. Uh, You know, just in in the last couple of minutes, we've heard how you are someone who, uh, you know, does many different things, kind of tries their hat at the table tennis, uh, uh, the violin, at working in law. At, at what point did you realize that you wanted writing novels and fiction to play a part in that? When I was very young, actually, it was, was, was when I was uh, still at school. Um, at that stage, I, 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 I liked poetry and uh, my, my latest novel, A Man of Understanding, is laced with poetry. And I think it's something that I've, that I've, uh, I don't know that I've created. I don't know whether it's it's done before, but I hadn't read it, and I think it it, it done that way. And I think it, it really um, it, it is a, is a great way of, of 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 writing to include poetry. And and that that poetry writing, I as I said, began when I was at school. I, I would write poems that were sometimes in the school magazines. Um, 
in fact, one that was uh, in, a, in, in my school magazine, I, I, I adapted slightly and incorporated into my previous novel, um, The Infinite Wisdom of Harriet Rose. Um, and the poetry elements have always gone down extremely well in my writing. Um, so uh, at that stage too, uh, my parents bought me um, a little uh, paperback book. Uh, for, it, was, it was empty but lined, and it had a space in the front where you could put the title and your name. So it seemed like you were very much creating your own paperback. And uh, I absolutely loved this as a present, and uh, I, it didn't take me long to start filling in my first novel. So that encouraged me too, and I was very keen on 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 English. I was mad about Dickens and and Hardy and and so forth, um, and so it, it really was. It really began right back then. Wow, and and now you're where you are. Now we'll get a bit more to the to the book in just a second. Let me plop you back in your writing space. Although you've said that you can write anywhere, um, what what kind of dictates? where you write are you someone who go to your desk to start the day but maybe you feel you need to go up and go to a cafe and kind of stretch the legs yeah i i do yeah i start i start the day uh, at the moment i start the day by first of all checking my emails because with having been runner-up in the people's book prize um uh it's i've got a, an awful a lot of um publicity and stuff going on and so um i have to first of all, um, focus on that before I go on to my next, focusing on my next novel. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I start the day uh, at, my, at my desk um, or, as I said earlier, wherever, wherever I happen to be. Um, it's, it, we, we live in a, a lovely house with beautiful views. And a lot of people say to me, well, it must be very inspirational to, to, to live in a place like that. Um, but I, I say not, not necessarily. I mean, I, I was very influenced by the peace and, and, and the atmosphere of the Inner Temple Library when I was there. But I, I think that what's, although it's, it's, it is relaxing to be in a, a lovely environment, I think it's what's going on in your head that's the most important thing. So I, I don't think it's it's any coincidence, for example, that you're you're at your um, creative best when you when you've you've suffered loss or or, or grief. Um, that that's that's a sort of time when often creativity shines through at its brightest, and you you abandon the trivial and focus instead on what really matters in our lives and in the world around us, and you sort of draw on your innermost thoughts and want to find something more meaningful than the the everyday to make to make sense of it all and and then that's really what the, what the what the theme of a man of understanding or one of the several themes of a man of understanding is about so yeah i start I start the day at the at, um uh, by checking emails then go go on to, to go on to uh getting back to to my 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 writing if you're writing all over the place, um, how how do you kind of take that with you? I'm talking about the research and the the plotting of it. I know that some authors they're very uh, precious to find a better word over their writing space because it might have post-it notes on the wall or like a whiteboard with plot points on it. How do you take that side of it, the back end of your book, with you? 
Uh, well, I write, I always write in longhand first. I write in, I write in, in notebooks, actually. I, I have the two that I've got at the moment. I, um, are, one has got make it happen on the front of it. And the other one says, uh, careful or you'll end up in my next novel. <laughs> I'm writing in that one quite a lot at the moment. <laughs> but, um, uh, so I, 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 I've always, I've always liked to handwrite first to get that immediacy of, of the feeling that the, the interaction between you, you and the, you and the pen. Uh, so it's, 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 it's always been very important. And, and my, my previous novel, The Infinite Wisdom of Harriet Rose, I wrote about the eponymous Harriet Rose always carried notebooks around with her. Again, it was a book about what she did after loss to come to terms with the loss of her father in this instance. Um, and her hero was Marcus Aurelius, the, um, the Roman emperor and philosopher. And so she wanted to emulate his meditations. Um, and so she carried the, the carried the, the her notebooks around and, and jotted down her med meditations, her reflections. Some again in, in poetry form uh, at this at this very difficult time in her life. And that's uh, I've always felt strongly about having notebooks with you because you never know when something that you think it, it is very beautiful or, or, or inspiring or you just feel at your creative best, it, it pops in, into your head. If I were to force you to write your first draft on a laptop, what would that do? <laughs> no, I, I, I just couldn't write my first draft on a, on, a, on a laptop. I go to the laptop once I've, I've handwritten and I then type it up. And uh, if, if there are any sort of minor changes that, that, that I feel need, need to take place, then I always do those on the laptop. If, if I want to go back and revisit it and add some more uh, what uh, relevant, important, uh, expansive material. Then I go back again to the to the to the to the writing on on paper and writing on paper. Do it uh, several times if necessary, um, and then go uh, and then and then put it into the uh, pre-existing uh, the, the pre-existing typescript. So that's as far as you're going to get me, Dan. I'm not going to do any more than that. <laughs> It depends if I've got a deadline. If I've got a deadline, I always want to stick to that deadline. Um, I, I believe in it very much. If it's obviously important to somebody else, then it, it should be important to you. And it irritates me if other people don't stick to it, to, to my deadline. So I, I couldn't be hypocritical about that. It's just, so I think it's important to stick to those deadlines. Um, so, um, as I said, then in the morning I'll have my – I usually write a bit before breakfast, then I have my breakfast, check those emails. Um, and I, I find that research is extremely important in whatever, I'm, whatever novel I'm writing. I, I, I do a, a lot of research, even in areas that I feel very confident in, you know, like with having two uh, degrees in, in philosophy um, and always continue to take, take an interest ever since I left UCL. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with philosophy, but I, if there's something specific, like um, one of the, uh, well, both of the main characters in A Man of Understanding are interested in, in philosophy as well as poetry, and they, and Aristotle forms quite a strong um, a part in, in, in the book. Um, uh, the, the grandfather, Horatio Hennessy, chooses Aristotle for his uh, recently orphaned grandson, uh, uh, Rufus, who he renames uh, Blue, because he, because he knows that Aristotle, for instance, 
uh, was orphaned at about the same sort of age, a couple of years younger than 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 Blue, and uh, he too was brought up by uh, a relative, and not not his grandfather, as is the case in a man of understanding, but his by his uncle, and then that uncle teaches him philosophy and poetry. So immediately there's a there's a link there bet- between Blue and Aristotle, and he becomes pretty quickly. Um, um, a role model. So uh, I, 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 I teach, teach Horatio teaches Blue quite a bit through Aristotle's teaching, and I, I make sure during that daily process when I'm writing the book, I make absolutely sure that I get it perfectly correct. I, for example, there's one part when uh, Horatio's teaching uh, Blue about about. Um, about the virtue in 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 Aristotle's eyes and 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 the golden mean of just hitting the right midway point between excess and defect. Uh, if you take, for example, courage, if you're too ex- too extreme in your courage, you can be you can be reckless. And if you're not, if you're if you have a deficit of courage, then you can be a, a coward. So it's all about getting that 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 balance exactly right. And he explains that to Blue. And then Blue asks him a question that he's not sure of the answer to, partly because I wasn't sure myself. <laughs> well, wholly because I wasn't sure myself. So I had to go and and check up on the answer. And that question from Blue was you know, applying the golden mean and, and the midway point uh, how is it possible to love somebody too much? And so uh, I, 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 that was an area where I, I would go during my day. I would go and uh, read through all my old Nicomachean and ethics books and any papers that had been written on love and friendship. And then I came back. It t- took me a, a few days to do that. And then I, I, I decided to give uh, a, a sort of original, unique answer for for Horatio to give to to Blue, and I, and I did it in the form of a poem that Horatio writes for Blue on the subject of, the, of his question and on love and friendship, because I think it's important that you that you do all your research, but then but then once you've done it, um, you you make it into something original and originality and thought provoking. Uh, writing is is crucial to me, um, and so I try to to demonstrate with every sentence I write the, the the originality that, for example, you could never find in artificial intelligence because originality needs a soul, and you're clearly not dealing with with something with a soul in artificial intelligence. So I I, I try and then. Turn the research that I've done into something that's, that's got my own mark on it. Um, so then I'll have lunch, <laughs> might have a glass of wine, um, and then get back to to to, to writing again. Um, after I have lunch, I'll, I'll carry on with with my writing and uh, write through till till supper time. Um, often I'll, I'll write into the evenings as well. I prefer afternoons and evenings and even early morning to morning. So I, uh, uh, I, my, my, grand, my grandfather, as well as my father, uh, was, a, was a clergyman. And my grandfather, although I never met him, he died before, uh, my, uh, before I was born. Um, but I was told by my father that his best time of day for writing his sermons was always around about three o'clock in the morning. And it's uh, it was it's curious, really, because I find that a really really creative time as well. And I've 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 
finished books when I've been at, at that time. I'm just wake up, have something comes into my head. I thought, well, I might lose that thought by morning. So I better get up, creep downstairs so I didn't wake up my husband and, and just write it down. And um, it's, it's often at that time of day that that's, that's my, that my most, uh, most creative. When you start your day, uh, how much of an idea do you have of the writing that you will get done in that first draft? Well, there is there is an element of, going back to what I said earlier, it depends on the deadline. But if, if there isn't a deadline, it very much depends on just how inspired I feel at that particular time. And if I feel extremely inspired, then I, I, can, get, I can write for hours and hours and hours. Um, if I'm feeling less so, I might, I might, uh, um, I might abandon it temporarily after that lunch and glass of wine I referred to. But um, otherwise, I, 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 you know, on my particular, when I'm on a particular role, it's, uh, I, I, I lose all, all concept of time in a non-philosophical sense. <laughs> yeah, but moreover, is there an idea of where you'd like to get to in the story? How, how greatly planned is your day of actual plotted work? I don't plan which part of the story I want to get to um, for the reason that sometimes and quite often I don't, I don't know where that story is leading uh, because I don't like the idea of a skeleton. For me, I mean, I'm, I know it works for other people, but for me, it, I find that it, it has an adverse impact impact on my flow and creativity and originality. So what's important to me first and foremost is is the main characters, character stroke characters in a man of understanding. There were two main characters. Um, uh, so those two characters uh, are first and foremost what I, what I want to get right. And if I don't have this strong bond with those characters, if I'm not getting any feedback from them, they're not telling me who they are and giving me little details about about themselves and their lives. Then I I, I, I may I'm, I probably won't continue with those characters, and I'll move on to something else. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're back with more from Diana Janney in just a sec on the show. This is episode 280, I think. That's what my website tells me. Um, but I, th- I think I've I think I've misnumbered them somewhere along the way. The point being, there's been a lot of shows for you to listen to, for you to dive back in, for you to mine for inspiration, for advice, and really the team that brings you them is well me right here. And if you enjoy what we're doing, if you enjoy the episodes and the chats that we bring you, you can help us carry on. You can help us keep bringing you brilliant conversations with some of the best authors around as often as we can uh, by becoming a backer on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash writers routine is the easiest place to support the show to help us keep doing this. For that, you get merch, you get thanks. There is uh, a way for your book to sponsor the show. There is uh, other chats and conversations we're having in the writing community over on our Patreon, where we discuss ways that we're inspired, books that we're loving right now, and all of that good stuff. And the way that you get involved is just by uh, supporting us, by backing, and it doesn't take a lot. I know that every penny counts and every cent counts so much at the moment, so I really appreciate anything that you can send over to us uh, just to help us carry on. To become a backer and help us, please do think about getting involved over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back into it then with Diana Janney chatting about her new novel, A Man of Understanding, named runner-up for the People's Book Prize not too long ago. It's all about Horatio Hennessy, his orphaned grandson Blue, and their journey of exploration and discovery together. We discuss the trauma that Diana explored for the story and how philosophy and poetry and writing really helped her understand what had happened. Also, how much she plans her stories, whether she likes any skeleton at all. And we get back into it with just one last point of the day. What does she do if the words aren't really coming? I don't usually have a, a, a problem with sort of writer's block struggling. I, I, um, uh, if, if, I, if, I'm not, if I'm not feeling it, if I don't feel particularly inspired and, 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 and to go back to before, if there is no deadline, uh, then I might, I might leave it and go and have a swim or um, go and uh, play some sport or um, I, I'm very keen on classical music. That's a good one. I, I, I used to always write with Chopin. I, I've changed from Chopin to others now or, or, I go, or I'll go and play my violin. Um, so anything that would put you into a more creative uh, uh, mood. So let's talk about A Man of Understanding. Just tell us about the very first moment that the idea for it came into your head. 
I, I, I just can't remember when the idea of it first came into my head. I, I think um, it might go back to you just mentioning about Harriet, Harriet Rose. Um, before, when I started writing Harriet Rose, um, I just had a miscarriage. And uh, while I was pregnant, I'd, I'd, I'd remember thinking to myself, what if I, I cannot stand whatever child I'm about to, well, not about to, because it was the early stages, but I, what I'm going to give birth to. Um, I, you know, you can't send them back. And you could be stuck with somebody that you can't that you can't can't bear, um, and so I that set my mind once um, I, I'd had a miscarriage on on wondering what sort of what daughter I would have liked, and Harriet Rose was was that daughter that I would have liked. So somebody interviewed me at the time for a magazine and said, well for a, a daughter that Diana wanted to, someone who, who she would get on with. She sounds remarkably like Diana herself. <laughs> that is really what happens when, when you're writing, um, especially in the relatively early stages, that, that you write about something or someone that you know something about. And, and hopefully I know more about myself than I do as a, as a, 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 the, 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 anything else. And I think it might be that with an answer to your question, that, that with uh, a man of understanding, Blue uh, uh, may well, the orphaned Blue may well be the, be the, the son that I never had, um, because he's certainly a boy that I would get on very much with. And, and there, is, there are elements of me in Blue as there were elements of me in, in Harriet Rose, but it, but then again, there was there were elements of me in in, in Horatio Hennessy and his in his love of uh, philosophy and poetry and the arts. He thinks that the arts are extremely important for the soul and uh, talks to and encourages Blue to 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 break through in overcoming loss by virtue of uh, expressing himself creatively in, um, in in poetry and and learning about philosophy. We, we spoke earlier about you know the feeling that creativity does come from uh, some times of deep unhappiness and that could be slightly reflected in those last two books how how difficult was it kind of years later to almost mine that trauma of a miscarriage and uh, like intrusive thoughts about whether this child might actually be the the one that you wanted and and, and all of that uh, well, it, it wasn't years later, actually, with a, with a man of understanding, because I'd, I'd only I'd only just ha- I just had a miscarriage when I started writing the Infinite Wisdom of Harriet Rose. Um, so um, I find that that my writing about loss generally probably also came from the fact that that I my my own father died when I was a young adult. Well, I was I was I was just about to finish my postgraduate degree when he took ill with cancer and died, and I. Um, I, I used to go in uh, to while he was having chemotherapy to his his hospital room with all my books, determined that it, that he wouldn't think that somehow by by having been ill with cancer that that, that had intervened in something that was important, and and he was very proud that, that, that of me getting a first for my my postgraduate thesis and and I was very proud that I'd been able to to, to manage to go on at, at that time but the loss was was huge to me and my mother I suppose as an only child and both my parents only children and I and so I, I would say it's 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 highly likely that my, that my my choice of writing about loss come stems from that experience but my father was a very uh, a, a very positive um, um, 
thought, thoughtful man and he loving man, and he he, he kept a, a joie de vivre right the way through, and just said how much he marvelled at his good fortune and having me and my mother by his side, and wanted to go to all the different religion, different churches of different religions, and see how they all uh, responded to the, this state of loss that so many people, knowing that they're they're, they're about to die, how, how they react to it, and he so even right to the very end, he was very thought-provoking and wanted to write about his experiences. So I see, I saw loss, although it was a terrible loss for me, for me and my mother. We, I, I saw his loss as something that was also very positive and that you could learn a lot from and the way he talked to me at that time and the things that he said to me and that the, the questioning and faith was not a bad thing. Um, it, you, you know, when you lose somebody, you say, why? Why take somebody who's so young why, with so much to say? Um, and he said, well, that's a good thing because it, it, the more that you question, the more questions you ask, um, the closer you, you get to God, and uh, and I believe in God, and um, so it, it, I, I I try in my writing not to write books that are about loss in a in a in a in a miserable way, but to make them something that that is uplifting as well. And you've discussed the many themes that are in this book. Um, is that something that you start off your writing with when you have an idea for a novel? Uh, how much are you you almost brainstorming ideas that you want to investigate through the work and and then how do you go about weaving them in and, and kind of unpacking them in not a dogmatic forceful sense it varies from book to book with my first novel the choice um i i did have more of a, a skeleton although i've said to you i don't like skeletons but with that first first novel i i did have an idea first um which was um, goes back to, to philosophy, and um, if, if our actions are determined, um, um, if that means that we have no free will, where do you find moral responsibility for your actions? And I thought of uh, Eve, uh, first created woman Eve, um, and whether she was a puppet. Uh, you could ask a similar question, for, for instance, about about Judas. But I thought that that Eve. Um, um, there was a lot I could say about Eve in, in order to answer that question. So The Choice uh, is a book about a, a 21st century uh, barrister, Lily, who uh, has a near-death experience. And during that state of near-death, she hears a voice uh, that's asking her to represent Lily at a metaphysical trial at which the devil is, is the prosecutor. Um, and to, 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 to defend Lily and, and to show her that it, it isn't, the fall of mankind was not, she was not to blame for. Uh, so with that, I had to think and answer your question about the about the 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 ideas that I wanted to get across uh, first and foremost. And uh, but with 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 uh, a, man, a man of understanding, that was not the case. And and it wasn't the case with the infinite wisdom of Harriet Rose. A man of understanding, I want. Yeah, I, I wanted to write about a, a strong relationship between an intelligent boy. Who had qualities which I would admire, and and a very unusual, enigmatic, uh, learned poet, philosopher, grandfather, with the mystery behind it of of why it was that 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 he'd never met him before, and how these two characters, both suffering from loss in different ways, but 
with Horatio's innate, uh, po seeming innate pos positivity, but with real deep sorrows himself, how they were going to, how they were going to get on. Um, and so, um, uh, I, I, knew, I, I didn't know, for instance, when I began on that journey, how that would transpire, how that relationship would transpire. But I, I, I learned through, through adding, for example, what I mentioned earlier about Aristotle and the importance of Aristotle's questions um, and Blue's question about whether it's possible to love too much, uh, that questions about love and friendship would come up in the book, questions about um, self-identity also come up in the book because uh, Blue is so in awe of his grandfather that he finds that, that a lot of the time he's doing things that he thinks that'll make him happy. And Horatio teaches him that, that that's, that's not the way to be and it helps him to understand himself, overcome his loss, understand about the arts, understand about philosophy, painting, poetry, music, everything that, that, that Horatio describes as, as what moves the soul. And, and that came about through listening to those characters that I was creating and just seeing what sort of questions and answers what they would have, what sort of life they would lead. Um, I've spent a lot of time in, in the mountains of Majorca my, myself, so I know it extremely well. Um, and uh, the, the, I, I, I was inspired by a place in the north of the island in, 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 at the foot of the uh, Serra de Tramontana mountain range, uh, which uh, that I know very well. And, and, and it's an area where the, uh, Robert Graves lived there, Chopin and George Sand lived there, um, D.H. Lawrence visited. It's so, and it's, it's grown, it's evolved as, as, a, as a place where uh, there, there's a lot of uh, artists of, of, of all the art forms who are drawn to it to this day. And so that, uh, that certainly formed part of what I wanted to achieve in the writing of the book. And that is it for Diana Janney on the show this week. Thank you, Diana, so much for coming on. I mean, you heard, she's very, very busy. So I appreciate that time. The new book is A Man of Understanding and you can pick up a copy right now. Next week on the show, we're chatting to travel and nature writer Nick Hunt, who, after travelling the world, writing many non-fiction books about it, he's got a new novel out. It's called Red Smoking Mirror. Hear all about that next week on the podcast. In the meantime, you can support the show, patreon.com forward slash writers routine. You can also um, follow us on Twitter X. We are there at writers pod. You can get involved and let me know what you're thinking. Use the contact page at writersroutine.com. And I will see you next week with Nick Hunt on the show. Until then, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.